0: This is Relic Radio Thrillers. This week we're going to hear from Diary of Fate, a series of 39 episodes that originally aired over ABC stations from September of 1947 to May of 1948. Our story today is the Craig Norton entry. This one aired January 10th, 1948.
1: happening to you Book 97 page 824 in
2: the diary of faith yes here it is
1: the name craig norton occupation reader for a literary agency. Yes, Craig Norton, you earn your living reading stories by successful writers. And it galls you because you are constantly reminded of your own miserable failure as an author. If you were alone, you could admit defeat. But there is your wife, Edith, whom you love more than life itself. She has shared your failure with you, always with patient understanding and enduring faith. That has made your failure gnaw at your conscience and your pride, until you were brought to a moment of awful decision. Now I, Faith, look ahead to an instant of crisis in your numbered days.
2: Are you sure you're okay? Sure you'd go through with it? Craig, for this kind of money, I can do anything. And I will. Did you catch the name of this cabin? Journey's End. (laughs) Ha, ha. It's prophetic. When Vance shows up, we'll never leave here alive. And so the
1: choice was made. The plan set in motion. The end is now inevitable. In a moment, it will be time for another entry under the name Craig Norton. When I have written, I will read from his record in the Diary of Fate. In the life of Craig Norton, a grim and desperate decision was made. A decision for evil. But in the last analysis, it was a trivial, seemingly unimportant thing that determined the inevitable outcome. It is ever thus. A bus misbissected, A neglected toy. A smoldering cigarette. Rifles? Yes. And yet these little things are the tools which I, fate, employ in shaping your destiny. Remember how it all started, Craig? You were with Edith, your wife, in your tiny apartment. And you were trying for the hundredth time to write a story that had depth and character. But you were failing again, and you knew it.
2: No, it's all wrong, impossible. What's
3: the matter, darling?
2: Oh, this stupid story. I'm going to throw the whole useless mess away. It's rotten, all of it.
3: Well, it's probably better than most of the stuff on the screen, you say.
2: And just what is that supposed to prove?
3: Oh, anyway, it isn't hopeless,
2: Craig. Oh, isn't it? Without a name, without a reputation, just how far do you think we'll ever get trying to sell it? If you haven't got the string of credits a mile long in this town, they they won't even talk to you. Oh, I
3: know, darling, but... Everyone has to start somewhere. Yeah, sure.
2: For five years now, I've heard that same spiel from you and George Baxter both. For five years, I've been
3: beating my brains out on a typewriter every spare minute I can find. I'm getting sick and tired of it. But darling, you can't quit now. George says you're getting better every day. Why, and George
2: says this. George says that. Edith, I'm fed up with his
3: criticism. Oh, don't be a fool, Craig. George Baxter's a very competent literary critic, one of the best. So what? Has he ever sweated hours on a single line for the right word? Well, I don't think his reviews are written in ten minutes. Besides, he's your best friend. Craig, why, he's kind and considerate and everything. And a success in his own field. Hooray for George. Oh, Craig, darling, please try to be reasonable. Edith, I, I don't want to talk about it
2: anymore. I, I don't even want to think about it.
3: But, dearest, maybe I can help you. Why don't you read it aloud to me? Sometimes a fresh mind. Good heavens, Edith.
2: If I'm going to fail, at least grant me the privilege of being responsible for my own failure. Oh, Craig,
3: please.
2: Craig, where are you going? Out. Gotta think, and I, I can't do it cooped up in here. Uh.
1: Yes, Craig, it was Edith's endless patience and constant tolerance that made your frustration so bitter. Yet you loved her so much that your guilty feeling of inadequacy was almost unbearable. You walked far and aimlessly through the nearly deserted streets, and then a little thing happened. You pulled out a cigarette. I discovered that the only book of matches you carried was empty. You were near a cocktail lounge, so you went inside to get a light.
2: May I have a book of matches, please? Here's a match, my friend. Oh, thanks. Well, well, what do you know? Craig Norton, Elliot Rockwell, how are you, boy? <laughs> oh, <same laughs> I was going to make that too, with it. Craig Norton, imagine running into you. <laughs> I didn't know you hung around these gin mills. Oh, I don't, usually. I just happened to stop in for a match. Well, fella, I'm sure glad you did. I just got back in town from New York. Uh, things are tough back there, especially for us actors. Well, I suppose you're doing okay. Big shot right now, <laughs> huh? <laughs> don't be funny, Elliot. Oh, if I drink, so I'll, uh, I'll get it. Oh, thanks. Well, at least you're working more than I am. Here's to you, Craig. Yeah, I'm working. I'm a reader for the Robert Holloway agent. Oh, well, for living, and you can afford to wait for a break. Yeah, what are you talking about? I got a wife to support. Oh, you're married? What hell! I didn't know that. Sure, five years, and <laughs> she's the most wonderful girl you ever saw. That's what makes it so bad, Elliot. She deserves everything that money and success should give her. And what am I doing about it? Yeah, no, it's a tough town and a tough racket. Hey, I, I'd like to meet that wife of you. Well. Oh, she's a honey. Oh, hey, bartender, yes. bring yes. us two more. Yes. Uh, I could just get started and get a name. That's all it takes, though, a name. I'd do almost anything for that. Oh, you'll make it, pal. You'll get there. Just you stick with it. Hey, hey, look what time it is. got to get home. Uh, say, uh, Craig, old pal, uh, you don't happen to have a, an extra 50 you could spare, do you? You see, I had some tough luck on the trip, and the I frimsy, had to pay... Me? I'm <laughs> oh, afraid not, Elliot. Well, so... Look, uh, wait. Uh, uh, how about uh, 10? I- I'll give it back to you next week. You see, I- I'm flat, and I, I got to pay my room rent, or I'm out on the street, and... Well, me... okay. Here's 10. Well, what are you think? Oh, at the, at the Regal Hotel. Thanks a lot, pal. Oh, say, if you hear something, let me know, will you? I'm really available these days, brother. Available for anything.
1: Yes, Craig. Because of a little thing. An empty book of matches. You met Elliot Rourke. Edith did not know Elliot. So the next morning you said nothing to her of meeting him at the bar. But you felt a strange kinship with the actor... Because he, too, was a failure. An hour later, at work, Mr. Robert Howell called you into his private office. Norton, you did the synopsis on scar tissue, that story by Charles Vance. Recommended it, I believe. Why, yes, sir, I did. I thought you were a little modest in your recommendation.
2: Modest, sir? Well, I I felt it was one of those sensational pieces that either hit you hard or not at all. I, I thought it was good, but, well... I wasn't absolutely sure, you know.
1: Well, you were right the first time, my boy. We're going to sell it for
2: $50,000. $50,000? Why, that's wonderful, Mr. Hall. Yes, it's a terrific piece of work. Magnificent property. It's supposed
1: to be Vance's first effort, but I can hardly believe it. Tell me, did uh, you recognize anything familiar in the style? No, I didn't. Uh, why, what do you mean, Mr. Howell? It's a peculiar thing. You see, Charles Vance is a pen name. No one knows who he really is. And whoever he is, he wants to keep that way. Absolutely secret. I just got this letter from him.
2: Oh, I see. Uh, You think it's a publicity gag?
1: I doubt it. Well, it's his business, I suppose. He sent us another one. Called it Eternal Road. Take it home with you tonight and give me a fast summary in the morning if it's as good as scar tissue, we have discovered a new genius. Yes, Craig. Fame and fortune were about to be lavished upon a new, successful writer. But it was not you. As you went home, you hated the name Charles Vance. Hated your own failure. Hated your gloomy little apartment made all the more gloomy now by Edith's note stating that she would be late that night working at the Red Cross. You put the note aside and turned to the manuscript. And then, Craig, another little thing happened. Stuck between the pages was an unmarked picture postcard of Crystal Lake. You had been there once. It was nearby. Only a matter of 50 miles. An ideal place for a writer who wanted to be alone. Now you knew where the mysterious Mr. Charles Vance wrote his masterpieces. You might discover who he was. Or you might even go beyond that. Yes, Craig. Now you had a definite idea. You got up, went quickly to the telephone,
2: and called Elliot. Hello, Elliot. This is Craig Norton. Yeah. Look, Elliot, uh, you said you were available for anything. Did you mean it? Oh, well, good. Can you come over to my place right away? No, otherwise, at a meeting. We'll be long. And, Elliot, don't say anything to anybody. No matter how we work this out, it's going to be big. Very big. <laughs>
1: Yes, Craig Norton, two little things entered your life. An empty matchbook and a misplaced picture postcard. And now you stand at the brink of decision. Soon there will be no turning back, for you will follow the road of your choice to its inevitable end. Yes, soon now it will be time for the final entry in the diary of fate. simple lack of matches led you to a bar and Elliot Rourke. And a trifling picture postcard led you to Crystal Lake and Charles Vance. And now you sat with one and plotted the murder of the other. No one knew Charles Vance by that name. And yet it was that name to which a fortune was to be paid. Before Elliot Rourke left your apartment that night, You had mapped the whole thing. He would kill Vance. You would claim his name for yourself. And the money would be divided between you. It was the perfect answer to all your problems. By the time Edith came home that night,
2: you were elated.
3: Did you get a lot done this evening, Edith?
2: Yes, I really did. Edith, I know I've got it this time.
3: Oh, what's it about? Tell me the whole story. Or better yet let me leave. No, nope, no, nope,
2: not nope. until so I'm positive. I've been working too long at it to spring it before it's all ready. Then I'll surprise you. Oh, Craig, please. I'll bet George Baxter's seen it. No, no one has yet. No. It just isn't ready. As a matter of fact, I'm going to ask Mr. Howell for tomorrow off so I can get out in the woods away from everybody. Then maybe this weekend I can finish it up.
3: Oh, Craig, darling, we've waited so long for success. And now at last we're really going to have him.
1: Yes, Craig. Mr. Howell gave you the day off. And you and Elliot drove the short distance to Crystal Lake unnoticed. There you searched among the few widely scattered cabins for the one used by Charles Vance. At last you found one with a typewriter in it. And when you were certain no one was near, you forced a window and entered.
2: Over here, Elliot. Here's the typewriter. Copies must be on these cabinets. Paper, pads, pencils. Hey, Craig, is this it? There's something in a folder in this drawer. Let's see. Yeah. Yeah, this is it, all right. Carbon copies, star tissue by Charles Vance. Eternal Road by Charles Vance. And here's a new one, unfinished. Bridge out. Elliot, do you realize how much the material in this one folder is worth? If I didn't, I wouldn't be here. We have to be absolutely sure of on one thing before we touch any of this. Yeah. We've got to be positive that no one else in the world knows this man. This man is Charles Vance. Yeah, yeah, hey, you're right. Well, we're almost sure now, and you can leave the rest up to me. Are you sure you're okay? Sure you can go through with it? Craig, for this kind of money, I can do anything. And I will. Did you catch the name of this cabin? Journey's End. (laughs) Ha, ha. It's prophetic. When Vance shows up, he'll never leave here alive.
3: I'm glad your day in the country was so successful, darling. You should get out like that more often.
2: Yeah, you're right, Edith. Edith. Now I know exactly how I want to finish
3: things. Oh, that's so wonderful, Craig.
2: Now, if you'll bear with me for just a few more days, I'm I'm sure everything will be perfect. (laughs) I hope you don't mind if I sort of neglect you, darling.
3: Mind being neglected? Not when it means the fulfillment of our dreams. Besides, our Red Cross chapter has put me on another committee, and that'll take care of my spare time.
2: Well, just remember, Edith, when this is finished, we're going to take a long vacation together.
3: Craig, I love you. And, and I do hope this works out, but even if it doesn't, I still love
2: you. It. it has to work out, darling.
3: Because it's all for you, Edith.
1: Yes, Craig. Your wife loved you. But if she ever suspected the true source of your success, would she still love you? For a moment you were seized with uncertainty. But it was too late. She must never find out. By the next morning, you had pushed a disquieting thought from your mind. And you were confident as you entered your office at the Robert Howell agency. Good morning, Craig. Well, well, George Baxter. Well, it's certainly good to see you again.
2: What have you been for the past month?
1: Oh, away. A little busy. Say, I hope you don't mind my waiting in your office like this. I just had a talk with Mr. Howell, and I thought I'd catch a visit with you before I left.
2: Me mind a visit from the great critic? Oh, never. Sit down. Uh, have a cigarette?
1: <laughs> Say, tell me, Craig. Uh, what do you think of this Charles Vance?
2: Vance? Uh, you uh, You know Vance?
1: No, no, of course not. Nobody does, according to Mr. Howell. I just wondered if his stuff is all that your boss claims it to
2: be. Oh, it's that more, George. Believe me, that boy is good. Why, he's so... Uh... Uh, well, he's so what? Go on, Craig. Oh, George, I said enough. For a moment, I forgot that you're the eminent critic. I'm just a reader and, well, an unsuccessful author. Well,
1: let's say you're uh, not really successful yet. You see, I still think you're going to make the grade. And by the way, Craig, I've been trying my own hand at original stuff lately, and now I've got an even clearer picture of what a writer has to go through. Oh,
2: excuse me, George. Yes, Mr. Howell? Uh, Norton, I'd like to see you in my office. Very well, sir. Uh, sorry, George, i got to leave you now. Well,
1: good luck with your new work. Thanks, Craig, and same to you. Uh, come in, Norton. I've just uh, finished Your summary of Vance's new book. You did a good job. Oh,
2: then you agree with my recommendation of eternal road, Mr. Howell.
1: Agree with you in spades, my boy. Why, I'll wager we have that property sold within a week after the copies are out. And at a fancy figure, too. Whoever Charles Vance is, he's got it. Yes. Charles Vance was destined for fame, greater even than your dreams, Craig Norton. And already the machinery to make that fame yours was in motion. For at Crystal Lake, a fisherman relentlessly watched the doorway of a cabin named Journey's End for the sign of an occupant. That fisherman was Elliot Rourke. His purpose, murder. And you, Craig, had nothing to do but wait. The next morning in the office, you couldn't keep your mind on your work. Finally, by mid-afternoon, the sudden jangling of the phone on your desk shocked you.
2: Hello?
3: Mr. Roller calling Mr. Craig Norton.
2: I'm Craig Norton. One
3: moment, please. Go ahead, sir.
2: Hello, Craig. Yes, Elliot? Uh, go ahead, what, um, uh, well, how is everything? Everything is fine, Craig, just fine. I'll be back in town tonight. You mean, Yes, uh... yes, you can go ahead with the plans for the party now. It's all set. I see. Oh, splendid. Yes, only, uh, Chuck won't be able to make it. You see, there was a small auto accident and Oh, oh, that's too bad. By the way, uh, you made sure of all the details before you called, didn't you? Certainly. Nothing can go wrong now. I see. Uh, you have the stuff, the papers that Chuck was to bring? Oh, yes. I'll leave them at your place tonight. Good, good. Oh, Craig, uh, there's just one thing. It's pretty strange. I... Oh, it, hold it, hold it. Say, Norton, I want to see you about... Oh, sorry. Great. Finish your call. Uh, y- yes, Mr. Howell. Uh, well, I'll uh, I'll see you tonight, then. Your place at 8.30? Fine. And I'm glad to hear that everything's all right. Goodbye. Norton, you set me
1: thinking the other day. We've got to get in touch with this Vance fellow. I want you to... Well,
2: sir, I... I guess this is as good a time as any. Hmm?
1: What do you mean? Mr.
2: Howell, I am Charles Vance.
1: You... You you mean
2: you, Craig Norton, are Charles Vance? Yes, sir, I am. I wrote Scar Tissue and Eternal Road. And I'm working on another one now. But, but Craig Norton, why did you use that pen name? Well, sir, I, uh, I submitted some awfully bad stuff to you once, and I didn't want these new things to, to bear any stigma. I, I didn't want you to be prejudiced. I simply can't get it through my head. You are Charles Vance. That's right. I've been working nights and weekends for over a year on these stories. And to think that right here in my office all this
1: time was a talent like yours. Craig Norton, you're headed for the top. It was as simple as that. And now, Craig Norton, you could place fame, success, and riches at the feet of the woman you love. Now you had everything you wanted. But take heed, you who listen, for it is truly said... All who plant the tree of evil shall be torn on the thorns thereof. In a moment, I, Faith, will write for the last time in the record of Craig Norton. When I have written, I will read from the Diary of Faith. (laughs) Yes, Craig. You had everything you wanted now. As you went home from the office, you imagined the look of happiness on Edith's face when you finally told her the wonderful news. But first you had to meet your partner, Elliot Rourke, get the carbon copies of the Charles Vance stories, and put them in your flyer. At 30, Elliot arrived.
3: Elliot,
2: come in. Are we alone? Yes. He's still out at one of our committee meetings, I guess. Have you, uh, you got that stuff? All of it. Oh, good. I've already told Mr. Howell. He was surprised, but he swallowed it. And uh, you're sure everything's all right? Yes, positive. I did it, but good. And uh, just as soon, I'll talk about it. You see, I got quite a surprise when Charles Vance showed up, but... Who's that? You expecting somebody? No. Elliot, there's a police car out in front. Police car? Oh, what? Are you sure nobody saw you? Certainly not, I tell you. Good evening. Which one of you is Craig Norton? Uh, he's Craig Norton. Yes, I'm Craig Norton. I
1: see. Got bad news for you, Mister Norton. Bad news? Yeah.
2: What? What do you mean? You know anything about a cabin on Crystal Lake called Journey's End? Why? Well, uh, well, I've heard of Crystal Lake, but uh, what does this have to do with me?
1: There was an accident out there today. getting around. run. We identified the body on the road in front of that cabin. It was your wife, Edith Norton. <laughs> Yes, Craig Norton. While you thought Edith was away at countless committee meetings, she was actually applying her own talent for writing. And the name Charles Vance was the subterfuge she employed to keep from hurting you. And in that last stunned instant, when you gave voice to your unbearable grief, you confessed and thus condemn both yourself and your partner, Elliot Rort, to the justice of the courts of law. And now it is time to close the book. In the case of Craig Norton, as in the cases of all mortals, I fate, and put the instrument of a plan and the many little things that happen in your lives are the tools with which I work. It was through an empty matchbook that Craig Norton met Elliot Rourke. And it was because of a misplaced postcard that the plan for murder was formed. An evil decision, the end of which brought disaster. Ponder well the moral, you who listen and remember. There is a page for you in the Diary of Faith. The cast included Herbert Lytton, Gloria Blondell, Frank Albertson, Tom Brown, John Arthur, Ivan Dittmars, Ray Erlenborn, and Hal Sawyer. Diary of Fate is a Larry Finley production, transcribed in Hollywood. <laughs>
0: Radio thrillers this week. If you want to hear other entries in the Diary of Fate, visit relicradio.com. We've got more from there. Alongside thousands of other old time radio shows, all the other podcasts, and our shoutcast stream with even more old time radio. Lots to listen to, all available for free thanks to your support. If you'd like to help out, visit donate.relicradio.com or click on one of the links on the website. Thanks to those who have helped out. Thanks for joining me today. Be back next Friday with another episode of Relic Radio Thrillers.